It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. This week, we spoke with Wall Street Journal senior writer and editor John Hilsenrath about inflation. This week's CPI data showed inflation was up in June 9.1% over last year. That was higher than expected and had many saying this shows accelerating inflation. The White House and some economists wondered, though, if the data captured a peak when gas prices were especially high. They've since come down a bit. We talked to Hilsenrath about all of it, but also about the Fed and whether rate hikes are just not working or just went up a bit late in the game. We also talked about how this ends and go down memory lane to the early 80s when the Fed was dealing with even higher inflation. We often have to cut interviews down for time during the week, but we thought you might like to hear this full interview. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the Weekday Rundown podcast if you haven't already. Now, here's John Hilsenrath on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Um, Okay, John, name and title, even though we know it, we'll get an audio level. Uh, John Hilsenrath, senior writer from the Wall Street Journal. Just your your top line initial reaction thoughts to this 9.1% number. I understand it is a bit higher than we were expecting. It was a bad number, uh, and it was worse than people expect were expecting, and people were expecting a bad number. What do we do with this? I mean, do we do we look back for a second and say, well, let's let's talk about the peak. Was that a peak, or do we look ahead right. at what the Fed is going to do and say how how much longer should we anticipate this? Well, I mean, what's discouraging about this report is that Wall Street uh, and a lot of economists have been hoping that we were that we're somewhere near the peak on inflation, and what we got with this report was a number that was worse than expected. Um, it doesn't show that momentum is really receding a lot uh, and that if this is the peak, the peak is even higher uh, than we had hoped. There is some good news on the horizon. Um, energy prices, commodity prices have come down, so people should be starting to see some relief, for, for instance, uh, at, uh, at the gas station right. in the weeks ahead. Um, but there's because these numbers are so high, there's just a long way to go to get back to anything that we would call normal on the inflation front. And then so that leads us to the Fed. Uh, the Fed has work to do uh, they, they've started raising short term interest rates. They were behind the curve. I don't think anyone disputes that anymore. Um, and uh, they've got a lot more work to do. So they've got another meeting coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, at the very least, it looks like they're going to raise rates by three quarters of a percentage of point again for the second time in a row, uh, which shows a central bank that is uh, starting to get some serious sweat on its brow about how far behind the curve it is. Yeah, I want to get into the Fed in a minute um, a little bit more, but... You just noted we do see prices coming down a bit for gas. They're still they're still pretty pretty high though, um, and like you noted, the administration and others argue that this data they they hope it reflects a peak, and then they're pretty insistent that they think it reflects a peak. Um, 
as somebody who, who follows this and tracks this sort of thing, what are you looking at to sort of glean any, any more data or any more insight into whether or not this is the peak? It, it, in other words, do we just right. look at what's coming down and say, okay, well, things are, you know, gas is coming down, so that's good? Right. Okay. So, there, I mean, so there's a, there's a few things to talk about in terms of whether this is a peak or not and what it even means to say this is a peak. So yeah. um, the, the, what the Federal Reserve tries to get is about consistent, steady 2% inflation a year. We're now at 9%, right? So it's got to come down a long way to get to the goal. So even if this is a peak, uh, there's still a long way to go. You know, if you get, say, to 4 or 5%, then prices are still rising at a pretty fast rate. Um, so there, there's, there, there, there's still a long way to go to get back to what we thought of before the pandemic as being normal. Right. So are things turning? Well, uh, there, there, there's a mix here, uh, to sort through. So on the one hand, uh, some people would look at bond markets. Uh, this is where traders all over the world buy and sell treasury bonds and other bonds and they're making a judgment every day about how high they expect inflation to be in the future when they buy and sell these bonds because a treasury bond loses its value uh, the higher inflation goes. Now, sure. bond yields uh, did hit a high and then turn around uh, a few weeks ago. So that's a good sign. That shows that's a sign that inflation expectations in the bond market are starting to come off a little bit. We've seen commodity prices come down. It's not just energy. Um, if you look at things like prices for wheat and corn, they've also turned around. And, and that's pretty remarkable to me because uh, th this war in Ukraine uh, has turned out to be uh, a, a war of attrition that you would think would be uh, disturbing these markets for a much longer period of time. But we've seen a big, big declines in wheat and corn prices. And of course, we've seen energy prices, commodity prices come off. So we should be seeing some relief at the pump. So that's all good news. The bad news is that if you look at other areas of the economy, the rise of inflation is pretty unrelenting. Um, so housing Are you costs talking are about... Are you talking about also the core inflation number being still too high as well? Like that went up as well. And that's minus yeah. food and gas, right? Right. So, you know, uh, a household spends money on a wide range of different things. We spend money on food and gas. And, you know, that's starting to turn around. Hopefully that's good news. But there are other areas like our rent, our rent bill. Uh, which is a huge part of the average household budget. And then day-to-day -day, uh, things like w what I actually like to look at is the cost of a haircut because it's a very <laughs> kind of basic um, service that is provided in any economy anywhere right. in the world. And if you look at the cost of a haircut, you kind of get a sense of what's the underlying you know, people talk about core inflation, take out food, take out energy. Look at the price of a haircut. That kind of gets you to the bottom of things. And those prices have been rising too. Rental costs have been rising. So, you know, while some of these more glaring areas like food and energy are easing up, there are other areas of the economy 
particularly the services side of the economy, where it still seems like there's a lot of pressure, which brings me back to like the main point of what I'm saying, which is that we still got a long way to go to get this inflation beast back in uh, back in its cave. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. So we, we are talking we are talking about a Fed that's that's probably, I mean, I keep hearing at least 75 basis points. But then there's talk of like maybe even 100 basis points. I mean, I, I, I don't know where we're going to be at um, in terms of the next increase. But what's your, what's your sense? Yeah, Is it going so, to be even I mean, more than so, they'd forecast? Um, you know, so the, the, the Fed likes, likes to avoid surprising markets. Um, mm. I mean, the market expectation now is for them to do three quarters of a percentage point. And so the path of least resistance is to do another three quarters of a percentage point. But, you know, I think, the more important underlying message is that until we see some evidence that inflation is is relenting a little bit, the Fed's going to keep pushing that dial. So why is, is that? Is, is that is what they're doing not working, or or like you said earlier, it's it's that they did it too late, that they were behind they're, the curve, and, and this is their the only real tool. They're, they're behind the curve. Uh, it's okay. it's clearly working because okay. you know we see. Stock prices have come down. We've seen some of the heat in the housing market come off. We've seen some evidence that consumer spending might be slowing down a little bit. So this is all what the Fed is trying to do. So basically what happened is demand and supply in the broader economy got out of whack. Uh, During and after COVID, the federal government pumped trillions of dollars of stimulus uh, into the in, into the economy, right into household bank accounts in the form of relief checks and unemployment uh, checks and rental assistance, and at the same time, uh, supply chains. You know, companies right. sourcing computers or car parts overseas got bottled up, so we had less supply and more demand, and that's just a recipe for inflation. So, we don't know what's going to happen with the supply side of the economy. Hopefully. Uh, big business figures out how to get those goods, you know, back through the ports. Um, but in the meantime, the Fed has to throttle back on demand, and the way they do that is to raise interest rates. So they they raise them a few times already, and they're going to keep going until they see signs that demand is better aligned with supply. Based on the report we just got, it's far out of whack with supply right now. They have more work to do, so they'll do at least three quarters of a percentage point at the next meeting. Maybe they'll do a little bit more. We don't really know that. Um, and then there will almost certainly be more as the year progresses. And um, so the, the only way the Fed pulls back and takes a breather on these interest rate increases is if it sees more evidence that inflation is, is slowing. Um, right now, you know, there may be some hopeful signs, but uh, but not anything nearly convincing enough to get the Fed to s- take its foot off those brakes. Okay, just a few more. And to that point, you know, we do keep hearing that we have savings, right? That Americans have savings, that we're in a, a, a somewhat of a, a decent position to deal with this right now, better than in years past. And, and I think even Treasury Secretary Yellen said that we all have a buffer stock of savings, I believe were her words. Um, 
when you look at that, does inflation then not go down that much until we run out of those savings and we stop spending and we stop being on the demand side of things? Right. So that's a really good question. Um, So Secretary Yellen is absolutely right that there is a huge buffer of, um, of of household saving and family bank accounts, trillions of dollars, more even than before the pandemic. Not only that, You know, people responded to the housing bust of 2008 and 2009 by cutting back on a lot of their borrowing. So from a debt perspective, households are in pretty good shape, too. So they do have um, uh, money, funds, resources to fall back on. But that's not the only uh, ingredient that kind of decides how much people on how much people spend. So uh, there's also just emotion. Uh, How do people feel about the dollar they're spending, especially discretionary dollars? And if you look at surveys of households right now, we see, you know, for instance, the University of Michigan, their sentiment surveys show that 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 household sentiment is as bad as it's been in some of the worst recessions that we've experienced in recent years. In fact, if you look at when Michigan asked people, is now a good time to buy a car? They say it's the worst time ever, worse than huh. in 2008. Um, so, so people have noticed these rising prices. And, you know, despite the fact that they have this buffer stock of saving, that doesn't mean they have to spend the money. And on discretionary goods, they could very easily pull back. Um, another thing that's an important factor here right now is that, uh, you know, so we have this weird dichotomy where the job market is really strong. Uh, Unemployment is very low. So you would think, well, people um, would be pretty confident about that. But inflation is outrunning the amount of money that people are bringing home in their weekly paycheck. In fact, if if you adjust for inflation, paychecks are down 4%, more than 4% from a year ago. So even though more people have jobs, wow. uh, what they're bringing home, the purchasing power of what they're bringing home uh, is going down. And in, in fact, the purchasing power of that weekly paycheck is as low as it's been again since 2008. Now, in 2008, mm-hmm. purchasing power was going down because people were losing jobs and income was falling. Now it's going down because inflation is outrunning the pretty strong income that they've got. So. Yes, there's a buffer stock for households, and that's a source of some resilience. And in fact, we're seeing a lot of evidence this summer that people are out there traveling again. Yeah. Um, but but at the same time, uh, that they're you know what I think of it is the shield. So households have this shield in the form of really high savings, but there's a lot of arrows coming at that shield right now. Interest rates are rising, inflation is rising, the stock market is falling, the news is bad. So uh, they're fighting off a lot of arrows with that pretty healthy shield of saving that they've got. And we'll have to see if those people continue traveling, you know, around Thanksgiving and Christmas time. Um, Well, that's the thing is, you know, so there's like it seems like there's a lot of pent up demand. And so there is a lot of travel this summer. Like if you look at hotel occupancy, you know, it's at high levels we haven't seen in years. But, um, you know, this this might be one of those situations where, you know, people are having their fun and then <laughs> September, it's it's like hunker down again. Right. A lot's going to hang on what they see happening in grocery stores, at gas stations, and uh, at the barbershop. 
Um, finally, John, we keep hearing the, the last time it was this bad was the early 80s, right? We keep hearing 40-year high. For, you know, it's been more than 40 years now. Um, I, can we go back to then? Can you educate us? How did things cool off and, and calm down back in like, you know, 83? Did, did prices go down or did the prices of things stay high, but something else caught up, like maybe our wages or something? Like how did things sort of moderate? Yeah. So it's, I mean, it, it's all relative inflation. You always have to look at inflation relative to your paycheck. As long as your paycheck is growing faster than inflation, then you can buy more stuff with the laborer that you put in. Right. right. So in the 1980s, uh, we, you have to think about a couple of things, but by the early 1980s, Americans had experienced more of a, more than a decade of high and rising inflation. So people were truly fed up and it was truly a problem that had gotten out of control. And so what happened was Paul Volcker uh, was running the Fed. Uh, in fact, Jimmy Carter had put him in place and then Volcker raised rates, caused a recession. And that was one of the things that helped to drive Carter uh, out of his job. Uh, and then Volcker kept going and pushed uh, interest rates up to well over double double digit levels. You know, imagine the cost of a mortgage now being you know fifteen to twenty percent. Now he had a lot of work to do then because we had a more we had more than a decade of high inflation, more than a decade of the Fed just not dealing with the problem consistently. So we had a lot of work to do, um, and and then got inflation under control it generally rises we generally don't have long periods of of falling prices or deflation and then in a stable economy you have wages outrunning um the the level of inflation so um right now we're we're only about a year into a little more than a year into this inflation shock so we're this isn't where we were in the early 1980s i mean the other difference between now and the 1980s is the Fed really had no anchor. Um, in 1970, oh God, I'm going to get my dates wrong. Uh, in the early 1970s, Nixon, uh, Richard Nixon, president, uh, actually um, cut the, the U.S. off from an international gold standard. So the, the Fed right. didn't really have any guideposts. The Fed now has a very clear guidepost, 2% inflation. That's what they are expected to achieve. So I think because of that 2% inflation target that they've got, they're going to have to act a lot more proactively. And I think they are reacting more proactively than they did in the 1970s. Hopefully what that means is that they don't have to go as hard as Volcker did because he caused a really, really um, bone-rattling recession in 1982 to get inflation under control. Hopefully it's going to be easier to manage this time. Hopefully. John Hilsenrath, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Sure thing. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.